All right, give yourselves a hand. You got out of bed today. Come on, louder than that. You deserve more than that. You deserve more than that. Wow, what a morning. Wasn't worship good? Like, again, our, our biggest battles revealed the, the greatest victories. And if that doesn't get you ready to preach, I don't know what will. Um, so I'm ready. I hope you're ready to receive. Um, today is Father's Day, and uh, we're, we do things a little differently at the refuge. Uh, we do not just celebrate mothers on Mother's Day. We celebrate all the ladies because we know that Mother's Day often brings some heartache. Uh, some people like to avoid church on Mother's Day because, well, Mother's Day brings heartache. And so we celebrate all the ladies in the house on Mother's Day. We did that in May. So, ladies, everything that I'm about to say means no disrespect to you. We love you. We cherish you. But today is about the fellas. Come on, somebody. Today is about the fellas. And so we are celebrating Dude Fest. And because we are celebrating Dude Fest, we thought that we would have some of the things that dudes love. We've got meat, right? We've got meat. We've got a keg of root beer because we're a church and that would be over the line if it was something else. And so um, we have got um, just, we want to celebrate all the guys by feeding everyone. So ladies, I just want to point out like on Mother's Day, well, I guess we fed everyone muffins on Mother's Day, but um, never mind. I'm not going to point anything out because we celebrate, fact of the matter is we celebrate everybody at the refuge. And uh, it's not just about ladies. It's not just about men. It's about all of us in the house of God because he, he loves us, he cares for us, and he has a desire to rescue those that are broken. So we're about to do whatever it takes to get the broken here. If it's meat, if it's a keg, it doesn't matter what it is. We will do whatever is necessary to get the broken here so that they can find Refuge in the one that gives them refuge. Um, thank God for root beer. That way it doesn't have to be beer. But um, we're so, so thankful uh, that you're here and that you've chosen to celebrate Father's Day with us. Uh, I hope that you've got amazing plans to go and hang out with dad. If you've got reservations at a nice restaurant and honor your dad, eat some meat before you go. And then go have like have four meals today, right? In honor of fathers, right? Because dads like to eat. You know, last week, um, one of our coaches and I, all of our coaches, we, we huddle every week. Um, and as we were huddling before the service, we we're talking about Dude Fest. And um, as we were talking, one of our coaches pointed out, she said, you know, it's amazing to me that we celebrate Mother's Day differently than we celebrate Father's Day. And, and we started talking about it. And she was like, it's almost like on Mother's Day, we celebrate all that moms do. They do amazing things. But on Father's Day, we like to tell dads, like, the things that they should be doing. And, like, like you shouldn't give up on your, on your family. And we tell them what they should do. And so I started thinking about that. And you know what? She's right. I actually, I actually dug in a little bit into that subject this week. 
Um, it, it's not our message. This is kind of the pre-message before the message. I figured since um, they didn't ha- we didn't have announcements and things, I had a little extra time this morning. So I'm just going to preach a little bit about Father's Day real quick. Um, that wasn't funny? Okay, good. Um, I dug into Google and uh, because that's where we go to dig in, right, Google. And so I went to Google and I typed in Mother's Day versus Father's Day. And um, some interesting things popped up. I found an article written by the BBC News just last year. Um, so it's not American, but um, it still represents our society. And in fact, the numbers that they gave, uh, because they were targeting Americans with their article, um, actually gave the numbers for, um, it might have been, it might, you know what, I'm sorry, it might have been the world o- overall, because this is a really big number. The total amount spent on Father's Day over across the world is a hundred is uh, fifteen point five billion dollars. That is the average gift for dad cost one hundred and thirty five dollars. Now Mother's Day, the total cost spent on Mother's Day is twenty three point six billion dollars. That is the average cost of a one hundred and eighty six dollar value for the price of Mother's Day. So. I'm not going to tell any jokes about gold diggers or anything like that. Like, I'm not going there. What I'm saying is, is that as a society, as a whole, like, we value moms more than we value dads, just by the way that we celebrate Mother's Day versus Father's Day. Um, I found another article written in Australia by uh, a publication called The Daily Telegraph. Sarah Lee Marquand is the author of this article entitled Stop Treating Father's Day as Mother's Day Runner-Up. And she had a quote in this article that I thought was so, so profound. It said this. She said, if mom is portrayed as the all-knowing, unflappable, selfless, and saintless caregiver, then dad is still presented as the lovable buffoon a well-meaning but dim-witted figure who loves his children but couldn't possibly be expected to feed and bathe them without first giving them further instruction. Like, whoa. <laughs> but I, I think she's, she's right. Like, we tend to, in our society, we, we tend to look at dad as the guy that needs to get his stuff together. And, and we look at mom as the one that, that carries the home. And and ironically, in Australia, a lady by the name of Dr. Red Ruby Scarlet, which is, I'm like, she had to make the name up. Red Ruby Scarlet, like she really likes the color red. Um, Dr. Red Ruby Scarlet tried to ban the word Father's Day just a couple years ago and start calling it Special Persons Day because she didn't want children to be offended that didn't have fathers. Notice she didn't, she didn't want children that didn't have mothers to be offended. She didn't want children to, that didn't have fathers to be offended. And so she wanted to start calling it Special Persons Day. The fact of the matter is, is that God values the man in the home. God values men to be leaders. He calls men to be leaders. We believe that men are called to be the leaders of the home, that they are warriors. Fighting for their families. 
And that's because that's the way God says it is, not me. And so we're going to value the men in the house today. We're going to celebrate the men in the house today because God has called you to take back your home and to rescue it and to see that they follow Jesus because he is the only one that can rescue them. And so every morning I get up as the man in my house and I make a decision to lead my family to follow Jesus. And so as men, that's why we're here. We're here to help men do that. That's why we do things like going to the Warrior Conference. That's why we do things like playing church softball. That's why we, we put a lot of uh, time and money and, and investment into our men's ministry. Women, we have the Shine Women's Conference coming up in October. And you're not going to want to miss that because that's going to be a time for you to go and to learn how to shine bright in your home. But we got to do this together, ladies and gentlemen. It's our, our society has become so wrapped up in sexuality and so wrapped up in gender identity and so wrapped up in identifying males and females. And, and, and we just need to say we're going to work together to reach people for Jesus and follow him. So that's what we're going to do. And that's sermon number one. We're not even going there today. I just went there. I'm done with it. So that's, that's in honor of Father's Day. Thank you so much for being here. I hope that you are ready to, um, to be the man that God called you to be. I hope that that's why you're here today, Dad. Um, we're in a series called Twisted. There's no, there's no transition there, so I'm just going to just jump right into our, our, our message. Uh, we're in a series called Twisted where um, we are looking at scripture that often gets misused, often gets misquoted. Um, and so um, we have, normally we have a, a good bumper video before our message and, and explaining the, the message and things like that. But like it's, this series, it's a great series. I love it. But the, the bumpers, can I just be honest? Like cheesy. If you were here last Sunday, you saw how cheesy it was. Um, Tanya, do we put the bumpers on our this week video? No? Yeah, we do. So if you want to see how cheesy it is, go to refugemain.church slash this week and you can see how cheesy it is. Or you can come next Sunday and hopefully our media will be working and you can see how cheesy it is there. But um, they're, they're, they're funny and really, really cheesy. Um, but we're talking about how we often misquote scripture and um, how like we take we're, we're taking specific scriptures and we're, we're pulling them out. Last week, um, we talked about how uh, somebody help me. What did we do last week? Anybody? No. All right. Erase that one from our memory. Marcel, do you remember what it was? No. Anybody else? Somebody help me out. Ask, and he will do anything, right? So we talked about prayer and how, uh, like, by the way, I legit have so much going on in my brain this morning that I really did forget about what it was last week. Um, that wasn't just a pop quiz. Um, we talked about prayer and how ask, ask me anything, how, how we often say ask anything in my name and it will be given to you. And, um, and today we're going to look at another passage of scripture that, we, that often gets mis misused. Um, and in the spirit of Father's Day, uh, 
I thought about like just writing a message about how men are to be warriors and take back our home, kind of like what I did at the beginning. Um, and, and I decided that our series addresses a need and addresses an issue that I believe a lot of men struggle with. And today I want to talk to you about the subject of do not judge. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are and for what you do. Because God, you have already proven that this is not about us. This is all about you. Lord, you've already shown up today. I could go home right now, but God, I thank you that you've given me the opportunity to preach your word. I thank you that you've given me the opportunity to live in obedience. I thank you that you've given me the opportunity to share hope with people that may be here that are broken. People that may be here that are struggling with life. God, it's been a rough morning. It's been difficult. But you've shown up. I I pray that I would never hide the difficulty. That I would never make it appear to be easy. Because it's not. If it were easy, everyone would do it. But God, the fact of the matter is, is I never want to hide your reward either. So I will proclaim the highlights. I will share the highlights with everyone because, God, you reward our obedience. And I thank you for that. I pray that you would rescue the broken today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you don't have a Bible... Um, we want we want to make sure that no one ever leaves the refuge without having a Bible. So we had some Bibles that were donated to us um, from a church in Alabama. Uh, God bless them. And um, they gave us some Bibles, and we just want to pay it forward by giving those Bibles away. So if you do not have a Bible, just slip up your, your hand. One of our Dream Team members will give you a Bible. It is for you to keep. You can have it. You can take it home. You can let it collect dust, but we believe that it is best used when you read it daily. And so um, these Bibles are for you, uh, and we just want to give them to you. So um, if you don't have a Bible or if you have an electronic Bible, um, I've lost my cell phone. That's how crazy it is today. Like, I don't know where it is. So I I can't pull out my cell phone and use it as as an example. But if you have an electronic Bible, um, you can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app. In the events portion, if you go to, I think you have to hit more, and then click events, the Refuge Church uh, should pop up, and you should be able to follow along with our notes as long as that part of technology is working today. Um, but technology is, our, is the devil this morning, so who knows if it's working or not. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, that's in the second part of the Bible known as the New Testament. Um, so um, you've got the, the Bible is written in two, two sections, the Old Testament, the New Testament. Um, the beginning of the New Testament is the book of Matthew. So if you get to the second part, uh, a lot of the Bibles have like a blank page that say New Testament on it. Get there. It's the very next book. It's the first of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be reading this morning. We're going to read a verse that often gets misquoted, and that's this verse. Do not 
judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Now, this verse that we're looking at today might just be the number one most quoted verse by people that do not believe in God, by people that do not believe in Jesus. Or my favorite, the most tattooed on people that do not believe in Jesus. Only God can judge me right across my chest. Like, I don't have a only God can judge me right across my chest, just so you, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Uh, we've got someone that's got only God can judge me. He's back there. He's going, yeah, he's, he's talking to me. Um, if you have an only God can judge me tattoo, it's okay. They have laser removal. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, like, I hope you stick around long enough for, for me to explain what this means so that now as you've got that tattoo, you can go around and say, this is, this is what this means. Um, because so oftentimes we think that it means that that people don't have the right to judge us. And you guys are all looking at me like, wait, they do? We're going to talk about that today. Um, because uh, the fact of the matter is, is that what, like, if, if we really believe that people didn't have the right to judge, then teachers don't have the right to judge an essay being an A paper or a B paper or a D paper. Juries don't have the right to tell if a person is innocent or not. Parents, you don't have the right to tell your kid that they're being disrespectful when they're not because you can't judge them. If you want to take it to the letter of the law, then that's where you have to take it. But the fact of the matter is, is that's not really what God, what, what Jesus is saying here. We're going we're gonna to dive into that um, this morning. Uh, we do it all the time. Did you see what that girl was wearing? Or did you see what that girl wasn't wearing? <laughs> it's usually the case, especially this time of year. Um, like, we, we like to judge other people. And so, so this morning, we're, um, we're really just, just diving into this. It's no secret that the number one reason that people that are not Christians, do not go to churches because they view Christians to be judgmental, hypocrites, and narrow-minded. I think that a lot of fathers struggle with going to church because really they look at the people that attend church as being judgmental towards them. They're afraid of what they're going to, what, how people are going to view them when they get here. And that's why we're talking about it today, because really I think that um, it's important to understand that, yes, we have the right to judge other people, that's not, because that's not what Jesus is saying here. However, when you have the power to judge someone, but yet you do not, there's nothing more powerful than that. That's called grace. And that's, that, so that's, that's where we're going. Jesus said, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. If this is true, then, again, we have to take it at face value. We have to realize that, like, teachers don't have the right to judge papers, and police officers don't have the right to pull us over. I wish that were the case. There was a time in my life where I really wish that was the case, but thank goodness my foot has gotten a little lighter uh, since moving to Maine. 
Um, since becoming a, a poor church planter is really the, <laughs> really the reason. But um, we have to realize that, that we view judging other people um, like we all do it. Every single day we get up, we do it. And so it's, we have to understand what Jesus is saying here. It's so important that we understand this. It's so important that we get it right. Because people are coming in and, and they're feeling judged. But, but like, I, just, I, I don't even know if I know how to put it into words this morning. Every single week, you judge me when you get home. Did you hear that preacher? Did you hear that pastor? Man, like, he's so scatterbrained today. I'm, guys, listen, I'm struggling with this message, not because I don't, I'm not prepared, but because I, w- I woke up this morning on Father's Day, and um, it's, been, it's been a battle just to get out of the door this morning. My son wasn't feeling good. And um, it, was, it was hard to get him ready for church. And so we're running late. We get here. Everyone else is running late because usually when you're running late, everyone else is running late. And um, we, we've got an incredible group from Illinois this morning that is, is just that they're here helping us out. And they're here all week. And so I want to be a good host. And I want to, like, like love and care for them and I've got all the, this, this thing this stuff going on and then we've got the computer I can't even think of what the name of it is right now we've got this computer that isn't working and here I'm going God like what what's going on what What's in my way? Because the fact of the matter is, is every week we come in, we set up, we put on a show, for lack of a better word. We put on this production. We make sure that we get everything done. We make sure that we, that we look good. I got on my J's this morning to look good because people are going to judge me. We put on a show so that, so that when you leave, you can say, man, that was good. But the fact of the matter is, is none of that matters. Because the message isn't about the refuge church. The message about, is about, and it always will be about, the hope that Jesus offers the world. The grace that Jesus offers the world. And so, every morning we do this, every Sunday we do this so that we can tell you that we don't have it all figured out. But yet, how, how messed up is it that we make sure that we look like we have it all figured out just so that we can tell you we don't have it figured out. 
When I look at my life and I look at how I treat people when things aren't going my way, The fact of the matter is, is that this morning when things weren't going my way, I treated my wife like crud. I probably took it out on my son a little harder than I should have, even though he was wrong. And he knows he was wrong. And I realized. I'm trying to make it look like everything is perfect so that when people judge me, they make, I, I make it look like I'm perfect. But all that I have to remove and say, ladies and gentlemen, it's just a show because I want you to, I want you to, to, to judge me and to think, think that I've got it all together. I don't. But I know the one that does. And so when he says, do not judge others or else you will be judged, I realize that you judge me. And that's okay. You're supposed to. Because Jesus isn't talking about judgment here. Last week, I gave you three things that I learned in Bible college by... um, my professor, uh, Dr. Joe Gleason, taught me in a, in, a, in a class called hermeneutics. It's called the science of interpreting the scripture. You didn't know that that was a science, did you? But it is. And so um, in hermeneutics, I learned three things. And, and we talked about this last week. We talked about how you first have to look at the context of scripture. You first have to look at, at, at context the story, what's going on all around it, what's going on, like, what's the theme of the book, who wrote the book, why is he writing the book, who is he writing it to. You've got to look at the cultural context, what's going on in the culture. So oftentimes we feel like, like the Bible was written to American culture. It's not. It's written in Middle Eastern culture. And so we have to read it through Middle Eastern eyes because that's the cultural setting that it is. And then after the culture or after the context, we have to look at the scripture. We have to look at we have to compare scripture with scripture because the best way to interpret the Bible is with the Bible. And so we have to look at what the Bible is saying about this subject. And then we have to apply it to our lives. So those three things, context, scripture with scripture and application, we have to apply the Bible to our lives, because when we apply the Bible to our lives, the Bible what? It comes alive. And the way we activate the words on the page is how? You guys get that? Did you guys get it last week? The way we activate the words on the page is by belief. By belief. When you believe the words on the page that you're living, that's when the Bible comes alive. You can't just read the words on the page and be like, so... The Bible says that I can test God in my tithing. So guess what? You know what? I'm going to tithe to test God. 
because I want to test him. I want to see if he really is there. I want to see if he really will bless my finances. But if you don't believe it, it's not going to do nothing for you. It's when you believe the words on the page that it becomes a lie. It's when you believe the words on the page that you actually start to see the increase in your bank account because you're giving and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Because, guys, giving does not make sense. And so you have to believe it if it's going to become a lie. So we have to look at context. We have to compare scripture with scripture. And we have to apply it to our life. So in Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus is talking about do not judge, we have to start with the context. The context of scripture, or the context of Matthew chapter 7. Question. What comes before Matthew chapter 7? Chapter 6. You got the hang of it. It's not a trick question. Matthew chapter 6 comes before Matthew chapter 7. And so we have to look at what's going on in Matthew chapter 6 before we get to Matthew chapter 7. And we have to see what it's saying. Matthew chapter 6 is talking about hypocrisy. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 2, it's on your screen. Psych. Kidding. If you, can't, if you can't laugh about what's going on, then you're, you've got problems. Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and the streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth that they have received all the reward that they will ever get. Um, side, sidebar. We, we're giving money to him to... Um, sponsor this inflatable park at the at the um summer fest by the way um we have some we have a hundred summer fest booklets um somewhere floating around here that we want to hand out to you today um as you're going out to barbecue as you're eating your barbecue we may just hand out some of those we've only got a hundred of them there's more than a hundred people here praise jesus and um the in the summer fest uh guide that they gave us um, they asked us for an ad for the church. When I gave them, or when we gave them the money to sponsor the inflatable park, they said, hey, we want, like, we want to plaster your name on everything, and we want to give you, we want to give you the attention that, that you deserve for giving us. And I was like, we don't want any attention. Like, that's, not why we're, that's not why we're giving the money. We're not doing it for the recognition. We just, we just want to be a blessing to the community. And the next couple times that I went in there, um, they were like, we know you don't want a, the attention, but we'll probably say your name a couple times um, over the loudspeakers during the summer fest so that people know that you gave to the, and I was like, that's, that's fine. If you, if you want the rec- like if you want to give the recognition, we'll, we'll receive the recognition. But that's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because we believe that this is what Jesus wants us to do. And so, um, that's just one way that we're living out Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love and pray publicly on the street, uh, street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth that that is all the reward that they will ever get. And so like every season, every year, we do a 21 days of prayer at the beginning of the, of the year. And w- one of those things that we do is we fast as a church. We fast and we pray. 
But if we live Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, we're not going around saying, hey, I'm fasting. I'm fasting. Are you fasting? Are you fasting? We're not doing that because we don't do it for the attention. Jesus is saying, don't be a hypocrite and, and, and do something in private just so that you can get the attention in public. Like, that's not why you do it. In Matthew 6, 16, it says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and this, and uh, this, uh, I can't even read that word today, disheveled, so people will admire them and they're fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward that they will ever get. Don't do it for attention. This isn't for attention. Don't be a hypocrite, Jesus is saying. And so when he gets to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, he's continuing that same thought. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not judge hypocritically and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard that you are using judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Now go on to verse three, 3 through 5, because this is where you really know that he's talking about hypocrisy. Jesus goes on, and this is in the Sermon on, uh, sermon on the Mount. Jesus is preaching a message, and he's doing a lot better than I'm doing right now. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? You can, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you and get, get, a, get rid of the speck? In your eye, when you can't see past the log in your own, you hypocrite. First, get the log out of your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your own eye. Jesus isn't saying that you can't judge, he's saying that you can't judge hypocritically. He's saying that you cannot judge hypocritically, you cannot hold people to a standard that you're not willing to live up to yourself. We have the tendency as human beings to make accusations about, uh, that, uh, against others while we excuse ourselves. We accuse others, but we excuse ourselves. And so, just to, to wrap up this mess of a sermon, holy cow. I want to give you four, just four Things that the Bible talks about when it talks about judging. And we do this in order to compare Scripture with Scripture. So first we looked at the context. Now we have to look at Scripture with Scripture and what Jesus or what the entire Bible talks about when it talks about judging. Number one, the first thing when it talks about judging is it t teaches us to never judge superficially. Never judge superficially. Look at John chapter 7 verse 24. It says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Stop judging by mere appearances. We're really good at this. <laughs> We've all been to peopleofwalmart.com. And if you've never been to peopleofwalmart.com, don't, don't, don't tell anybody you heard about it at church. And if you haven't been to peopleofwalmart.com, it doesn't matter. You've been to Walmart. <laughs> you can imagine what people at Walmart.com is. We judge people based on their appearance. We're human beings. 
It's what we do. So when I first wrote this sermon, I was planning on telling a story to rat out my wife, but judging by this morning's uh, activities, I don't know if I'm going to tell that story or not. But it's Father's Day, and I'm going to go for it. So uh, I'm going to tell a story about my wife that when we dated, when we were dating and we first got married, um, she used to do this thing. We'd be driving in the car, we, or we'd be at Walmart. Let's be honest, we're at Walmart, and she'd go, whoop, whoop, and i go, what was that? And she's like, that girl needs a fashion police to pull her over. So all of, like, all of a sudden, like, finally I, ca- I caught on. She thought she was the fashion police, and so all of a sudden she just would be walking down the street, and she'd go, whoop, whoop, and I'd be like, ah, fashion police, got it. So, like, you know, years down the road, and let's be honest, Tanya, before I met her, she was pretty superficial. It's a miracle. It's a miracle that I talked her into marrying me. Like, as superficial as she was, she saw something in me that I have no idea how it happened. But now I look like this. And I didn't look like this before I married her. So I'm glad she was superficial because now I look a lot better than I did back then. See how I recovered myself, babe? Yeah, did I do it? Did I do it? All right, good. So um, later on, years down the road, all of a sudden I'm noticing that we're walking in public and I'm going, whoop, whoop. And she's like, yeah, I got, I got a partner. I got a partner to ride with in the fashion mobile. Like, I don't know what, what fashion police ride around in when they're patrolling the neighborhood. But um, I was in the car with her and I was pulling people over too because we're all superficial. Like, Every single one of you are superficial as well. We all do it because we like to judge people based on their appearance. But the Bible teaches us not to judge based on their, on, on appearance. We can't judge superficially. The second thing that the Bible teaches us about judging is we cannot judge hypocritically. Do not judge hypocritically. We've already touched on this. But I want to kind of drive it home because this is really, um, this is really probably the most important out of the four that I'm going to share with you. In Romans chapter 2 verse 1, the Apostle Paul is writing. So this isn't even Jesus talking about judging hypocritically. This is Paul talking about it. And he says, you may think that you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say that they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. Now, catch his tone. He changes his tone just a little bit in, cha- in verse 4. Just, just three verses later, he says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? start out talking about how I like to condemn other people and then you point it to God and say how he doesn't condemn me? Does this mean nothing to you? Does God's grace and tolerance towards you not mean anything? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sins? 
Notice, he says his, God's kindness is to turn you toward away from your sins, not them away from their sins. Jesus said it by saying, take care of the log in your own eye before you look at your brother with a speck in his. It's the exact same thing that Paul is saying. How in the world can I judge other people when I know how I've already judged people this morning? And I've taken out the things that have happened to me this morning on the people I love the most. How in the world can I look at other people and hold them to a standard that I'm not willing to live up to myself? So the fact of the matter is, is yes, Jesus gives us permission to judge other people because he's not saying do not use discernment. Our church, we have a a philosophy where um, we want to make sure your kids are protected. So everyone that wants to work with kids, they have to go to the police station, and they have to get fingerprinted. They go to the main state police. We don't mess around. We, go, we send them to the police. We want to see everything that they've ever been charged with so that we can determine if they should work with your kids or not because we value your kids' safety that much. We judge every single one of those people that we get. But yet we say that You don't have to believe what we believe to belong here. We're all-inclusive community. We say that we want to be known what we're for, not what we're against. But we're against pedophiles because they can't work with your kids. Jesus isn't saying don't use discernment. He's saying use grace. Use the same grace that I gave you. Look at people through the eye, through the lens of the grace of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because there is nothing more powerful than when someone has the power to judge you, but they choose not to. That is called grace. And we want to be a community that, yeah, we have the right, we have the power to judge, but we offer Grace, that is way more powerful than just saying we won't judge anyone. But to say that we have the right to, but we don't. So first, we can't judge superficially. Second, we can't judge hypocritically. Anytime I see myself being hard on someone like this morning. I generally take it to, um, I generally try to take a look at my own self. Or I, I go to my wife and I ask her, honey, like, am I out of line here? <laughs> Only this morning it was towards her. And I'm like, honey, am I out of line? She's like, dude, don't even talk to me like that. She's like, don't be a jerk to me. And I was like, I'm not. <laughs> this morning, seriously. We were on our way. We were on our way toward the car. I can't believe I'm telling you this right now. We're on our way towards the car. She said, "Don't be a jerk towards me by, because of it." I said, "I'm not." And I turned around. And I walked away. I was like, Whoa! 
Adam, what's wrong with you? So on our way towards church, I knew I better get my crap together or else God wasn't going to show up. So I'm like, honey, I'm sorry. She's like, all right, good. Like, seriously, it was like, all right, good. Then we got here. Computer doesn't work. Like, Tanya, come here. Like, we got, we, like, we, we got to make this right. So we did. And the reason I, I tell you that story is because, like, when we experience grace, we cannot help but to offer it to other people. We cannot help but to extend it with other people. I'd argue if you struggle with forgiveness, I don't know that you've really experienced the grace of God in your life. Because when, when the way the, the Bible puts it is, is you will be judged. So my favorite passage about this, this verse right here is, is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive others. If we're going to pray, God, forgive me the way that I forgive other people, then we better darn well offer grace to people in our lives. We better offer forgiveness. The third thing that we have to do when it comes to judgment is, number one, can't judge superficially. Number two, don't judge hypocritically. Number three, never hold non-Christians to Christian standards. Never hold non-Christians to Christian standards. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12, it says, it, is, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. Some translations go on to say, it's God's job to, job, job to judge those that are outside. We cannot judge people that do not belong to Christ like they do belong to Christ. Let me explain it like this. At my house, I have rules. And I'm not going to hold your kids to the rules that I have at my house. In my family, we have rules. My kids will be respectful. My kids will take their plates to the sink when they're done eating dinner. But I'm not going to hold your kids to the standard that I hold mine. So why should we hold non-Christians to the standard that, that we have as, as followers of Jesus? The last one is always help other believers who have fallen be restored. Always help other believers who have fallen be restored. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 says, Dear, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by, the, by some sin, you who are godly should gent gently and hum humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. You know, um, Christians are so easy to judge non-Christians, but we're also e it's so easy for us 
to um, kick our, our brothers and sisters while they're down. Here recently, I've had two friends, three friends, um, that were pastors that have, um, one is in jail now. Um, the other one is, uh, the other two have been to rehabs, different, different kinds of rehabs. Uh, one is fighting for his marriage. The other is back serving his church as pastor. Three different stories, three different results. The difference with the one that is serving his, his, his church again, fully restored, is that he had family that wanted to see him, that looked at him as being possible to be restored. The other one, like, like the, the dude in jail, he deserves to be in jail. He's, he's facing the consequence for what he did. The other one didn't have the community that the, uh, that the one that is back serving his church did. And now he's, he's, him and his wife, they're attending a great church. And that church that they're attending now is fighting to see their marriage restored. When the fact of the matter is, is the people that were, that were closest to, in my opinion, the people that were closest to him, his overseers, should have fought for his marriage. They should have cared for his marriage enough to make sure that they, that, they, that they got it worked out. We're so good at kicking our own when they're down. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that God's grace is sufficient. It is all we need. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. And hopefully we can find something to reflect on in this message today. Maybe you're here, maybe you've lived a rough life. Maybe you look at the things that you've done and you say, you know what, how, how could the church, how could Jesus Look at me and say that I'm pardoned. Look at me and say that I'm good. How can the church welcome me? Well, it's easy. Because Jesus welcomes us. And because Jesus welcomes us, he welcomes you. Maybe you're here and you've never received the grace that Jesus offers you. Because the fact of the matter is, is that you could do wrong. Someone could offer to receive your punishment for you. But you can reject they're taking their pun this punishment for you and, and you, don't, you don't have to accept it. You don't have to receive it. You could go on and you can keep doing what you're doing, living however you want to, and it mean absolutely nothing to you and do nothing for you. Or you could do wrong and you could have someone stand in your place 
and take on the punishment that you deserve and you could be grateful for it. And you could have what they've done inspire you to do it to other people. And inspire you to do it for other people. Because the fact of the matter is, is that God loves you so much that when you did wrong, when you, when you did something that separated you from God, that something that you did is called sin. And when you sinned, you were separated from God. But God said, you know what? I can't stand to live without you. So I want to give my son Jesus to die in your place. Because the Bible says that there is a cost for sin. There is a wage for sin. And that wage for sin is death. But God offers the gift of God through his son, Jesus. And Jesus died in our place so that we could be restored with our Father. I can't help but to think how sweet it would be for you to be reunited with your Father in heaven on Father's Day. That's why we do this. So that you can be reunited with your Father. So if you're here this morning, and you've never received that gift that God offers you, would you do me a favor? Would you just slip your hand up so I could see it? Is there anybody like that that would say, I've never received it? Thank you. I see those hands. You can, you can raise it. Anybody else? Nobody's looking around. No one's, this isn't the moment to look around. I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Would you raise your hand and say, I need the gift that God offers me. If you raise your hand, I want you to look up at me. Would you do that? Would you look up at me? I want you to know God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And the Bible says if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus died for you and he rose again, that you will be saved. So I want you to do this favor. Do this with me. Say this prayer. Say, God, say it in your heart. Say it in your mouth. Say, God, I know I've done wrong. And because I've done wrong, I need Jesus in my life. Come into my life and save me. Help me to live for you. Thank you for being my father. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Maybe you're here and you just struggle with judging other people. And you need to start offering grace. I want to say a quick prayer for you. And then we're going to uh, we're going to celebrate. We're going to sing another song, and we're going to go outside. We're going to have some barbecue. We're going to celebrate what God has done today, what God is doing in your fathers, and we're going to be together. We're going to enjoy each other's company. God, thank you so much for offering us grace. Help us to offer grace to those in our lives that need it. Lord, maybe some people need to go home today and pick up a phone and call their own father and to tell them, Dad, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry that I haven't offered you grace in my life. Maybe they need to pick up their phone and call a friend and say, I'm sorry I haven't offered you grace. I forgive you. God, help us to live in relationship with others as we strive to live in relationship with you. Bless the food that we're going to have. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet and give God a hand for showing up today? Yeah.